one. Hey, what's up, guys? It's your boy, Matty G, the cruel and oppressive supreme dictator and evil overlord of the Hawks Nest Fantasy Football League, also known as the low-key OG, the Omega-3 Poppy. And I'm here, as always, with Colby Patnode. Colby, how's it going? It's going, man. Third podcast of the day. Uh, you know, working on the Tower of Power. Yes, I decided to do one this year for all you schmucks. So, um, been a lot of creative content. And then, uh, even dinner, man, I went down and I made some chicken parm. It was delicious. And, uh, yeah, just ready to, to go after podcast number three before I go to my, uh, my real world job. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's do this. Perfect. So what we, what we got here for you guys is, uh, probably our favorite our favorite pod of, of the whole season, uh, you know, post-draft, we get together. And the way that we discuss uh, kind of laying this out and going through this, we're going to go from pick, uh, you know, from the from the owner who had pick one all the way in numerical order back to Colby at pick 14. And um, the basic gist of it is, you know, picks that we loved or what we view as the best pick for each individual, um, as well as picks that we would, um, you know, I guess hate for a lack of a better way of saying it. Um, that seems a little strong, but maybe, but maybe not, depending on how bad the pick was. Um, or just picks that we would generally criticize for whatever reason, or I guess picks that were not so good. But you guys get what I'm saying. So we're going to hit you with that from Max all the way back to Colby. And then once we're done, um, just kind of ping-ponging that back and forth, uh, then we're each going to hit you with five quick, bold predictions for the twenty the 2021 season. Close it out with Super Bowl predictions. And, um, and yeah, then we'll close out the pod. So without any further ado, we will start. With Max at the 101, and I'm gonna let you go ahead and open it up. I want to hear what you thought about about Max's draft and and what picks you thought that he made that were better, and the ones that you maybe didn't like as much. Well, I mean, you know, for Max, it's 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 pretty hard to screw up that one one. So I mean, a lot of different ways he could go. I, I think he picked the right guy. Uh, I I would argue maybe Dalvin Cook would have been one one in a half point PPR. Um, there's some concerns about McCaffrey's durability, but I mean, it's hard to mess that up. And you just look at the draft overall. It's, it's pretty solid. It's a pretty solid, you know, first 10 rounds or so. Um, didn't he waited a while to get his wide receivers, but he still got some good upside guys there. I like the, uh, I like the, uh, the Chenault pick late in the eighth round. Um, I think there's some, some real upside there with, with Lawrence coming in. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, other than that, it was a no really like super valuable picks uh, in terms of just like, wow, I can't believe he fell to you there. Everything here is pretty much in line with what you would kind of expect. Uh, Winston is the uh, as the QB, two is probably going to be OK. But also, I mean, I can't imagine Taysom Hill is not going to take some snaps. So there's probably going to be a few weeks where that's annoying for Max um, in terms of what I don't like right i should say i think my favorite pick let's do that first is actually uh a pick that apparently you made for him jerkwad uh anthony fersker i like him in, in tennessee i think he's a 
a really nice sleeper tight end. So I like that. And then as for what I, I don't like, I mean, we have a picture of the draft board to prove how, how seriously Max took, you know, the last four <laughs> rounds. So uh, all those picks are a complete waste. Um, and, you know, he's already started to try to address that. But, uh, you know, the rest of the draft is, is overall it's solid. It's, it's a pretty nice job. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I don't disagree. I think that there's going to be obviously some points here that are just kind of echoed. So I, as everyone knows, I am, you know, typically honest and transparent to a fault. And so it's going to come as no surprise that the, I have two picks in particular that stand out to me here uh, on his draft board. Uh, Number one here is Jameis, the 701. Um, I was hoping that he was going to fall to me at the next pick. That was kind of my plan. And most people know that because I was saying that when it happened. Um, So I actually think that it's interesting because part of me wonders if Sean Payton hadn't announced Jameis as the starter, uh, you know, basically in this last week here before our draft, uh, part of me wonders if he would have fallen further. And And I suspect he probably would have, but that's neither here nor there. Nonetheless, I also I also really like the value he got with uh, AB at the 901. Um, so I think between those two picks, you know, those are the ones that really stand out to me as like really good values. As far as criticizing his draft, it's easy to point out those last four picks, and I agree with you 100%. That's what I. That's one of the things that I wrote down. But if I have to move further up the board. And just say, you know, a pick that maybe I, I'm not as big of a fan of. I'm probably going to um, go ahead and, and say Juju here at the 614. Um, I guess for me, you know, Deontay's the one in Pittsburgh. You know, Claypool really kind of emerged last year. And Juju was a free agent this offseason. And he just kind of accepted a, a deal in Pittsburgh. Just kind of ended up back there. And I wouldn't be surprised if coming back to Pittsburgh is something that Juju ultimately regrets because I have doubts, you know, about, about what, what he's going to see from a volume standpoint. What's his role going to be there? Is it going to be the Juju that we saw his first year or two in Pittsburgh? Um, I don't know. I'm not so, I'm not so sure about that. So I have, I think there's there's good good reason to be to be a little wary of of um, Juju, but hey, what do I know? <laughs> um, in any case, that's all I've got on um, on Max's team. Like I said, I would agree with you that um, I guess when you just look when you take it at face value, he did wait quite a bit at receiver, um, and that's a strategy that's entirely viable. Um, I think, you know, despite the fact that Juju was his top receiver, you know, if things work out between Chenault and Brown, like, you know, he he could he might not skip a beat here. You know, despite the fact that he waited at receiver. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, like I get what he was he was doing with with Juju, but I mean, I'd probably like if I'm going to roll the dice and, and Juju's healthy at least. So that's a positive here, but I mean like Michael Thomas and, and, and Odell Beckham went just a few picks later. So, eh, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty big on Beckham this year, but uh, you know, it's Juju's safer, but waiting until the six to get your first wide receiver. 
it's not awful this year because wide receivers fell, but I don't know if I would say it's it's necessarily ideal. But I I, th- I think it'll be fine. He he definitely. I mean, he took five four in a row, in five of six. So yeah, he uh, he definitely addressed the position. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's going to be interesting because some some teams took a more balanced approach and some mm-hmm. some didn't. But despite that, and this is this is more I guess of like a more of like an overarching sort of um, observation here is that just irrespective of what your team build is, there's nobody who is obviously at a massive disadvantage. Correct. Which is a good thing. So anyhow, all right, I guess we'll move on to to my team. Um, and I'll just make this really brief for me. It's funny because if I sit here and say, okay, well, what picks did I love? I mean, it was my draft. Hopefully, I, Hopefully I loved most of them. Um, in terms of just straight value, the, I'm just going to talk about one pick. In terms of straight value, it was a player that I never took in any mock and never planned on taking, but I drafted him because he was objectively the best value on the board when he fell to me, and it's the pick that I'm the most proud of because I know it was the right pick when I made it, and that's Javante Williams at 902. Um, you know, just given the situation that I was at, with running back and how fast running back dried up in the early rounds. Um, you know, I was coming, I was coming into the, you know, into the ninth round there with, you know, Zeke and Chase Edmonds as my one and two, and I had just taken AJ Dillon. And so I really kind of wanted to solidify my running back core. And it just so happened that Javante was still there. And I think he fell in this draft. I think he fell further than he, than he should have. Um, so that's the pick that I'd say that I, that I love the most just from a value-based standpoint. Uh, as far as hate, none. I don't have one. I don't hate any of them. I don't think that any of them were just like awful or bad or regrettable. So, but maybe you have something to criticize. Hopefully you do. Well, um, first of all, uh, former University of Washington Husky, uh, Sidney Jones is back in Seattle. He's just been traded uh, to the Seahawks. So there you go, breaking news. Yeah, so uh, that, that's that's cool. Um, so yeah, it's it's overall it's a it's a good draft. Um, you know, I I didn't have Zeke two. Uh, I probably would have had him. I mean, like eighth i i i like if i was picking two i would have picked mahomes ahead of him uh cook certainly ahead of him uh probably chubb henry and kamara but you know can't say for sure they're all pretty close but uh i mean it's not like it's an egregious reach so it's 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 fine um snagging ridley in the in the wraparound or as part one of the wraparound is is certainly a, a nice uh wide receiver one uh and you know I know you're a big Justin Fields guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think that pick's probably going to pick uh, probably going to work out for you. Uh, my favorite part of your draft actually is the eleven twelve. Um, snagged Mooney in the eleventh. I like Mooney. He was one of my sleepers this year. Then you sna- snagged Jacoby Myers in the twelfth. I think that's going to be one of those moves that people look back at and say, you know, how did we let Matt get Jacoby Myers so late? Um, he certainly flashed last year, and, and it's easy to overlook that New England passing game because it's probably not going to be that fantasy relevant. 
um, or at least it's going to be difficult to decide when it will be fantasy relevant. But I really like those two players. I, I think there's a potential that both of those guys pop and they end up as, you know, top 20-ish wide receivers. And, and if that's the case, uh, you know, to go with Ridley and Shark, uh, you've got depth and mm-hmm. you've got four guys that you can start every single week uh, if necessary. So, uh, yeah, you know, as of picks I didn't love, I mean, not a huge Derek Carr fan, but it's hard to criticize where quarterbacks went in this draft because it was just insane. That market was, was, you know, all over the place. And so it was, uh, you know, not something I would do, but like, for example, right. You took Derek Carr over Tua as a, quarterback three i'd rather have Tua, but i'm my guess is is that you wanted somebody who was safe because you took fields who you know might not start for a couple weeks because the bears are stupid um so i i can certainly understand if, if that's the philosophy behind it but mm-hmm. you know I, I probably would have gone uh Tua ahead of uh ahead of car to ride a little bit of upside but other than that it's it's a really good draft well thank you um I guess we can move on now to Isaiah. So um, I'll let you go ahead and and tackle this one first. Yeah. So uh, first of all, it's, it's nice to see that, you know, Isaiah is a real person or (laughs) quite possibly the AI that runs his team is so advanced that he hired an actor to play Isaiah and fool us all. So that's, that's certainly a a possibility. I'm not ruling out. Um, But as as the uh, as for the bots draft, uh, it's it's a really solid draft. You know, it's 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 an interesting one because he waited so long on running backs. He didn't take his first running back until the seventh round, um, and that's you know going to be an issue that he'll have to address um, unless he you know picks the right guys. And, and there's certainly upside in Ronald Jones and Devin Singletary and Philip Lindsay. Um, so if things break right for those guys, then there's there's a possibility that he's fine there. But uh, snag Mahomes at three, and then you get Diggs on 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 the way back. That that's a really nice you know first two pick combo. And then uh, you know DJ Moore is is one of my favorite players in this draft. You got him in the uh, in the fifth, which is a pretty good you know I mean, it's it's about where he's going. But I think that's pretty good value because I just have a feeling that Moore is going to have a season where he scores eight nine touchdowns, and all of a sudden the guy who seemingly has 1100 1200 yards every year is finally going to get you know treated like the wide receiver he actually is so uh we'll see what julio does in, in tennessee that that one might be a you know a game changer uh just continues to kind of you know be productive but also we know an injury is coming and we know he's going to have a few weeks where he's truly questionable and you're kind of hemming and hawing about that but uh overall it's, it's a solid lineup um one of the better quarterback tandems in the league uh i would just i would wonder about that uh that running back position it's possible that one of those guys pops but it's also possible that you know all those guys are flex guys and then you know you're you're kind of in a tight spot so uh but sometimes that's just the way the board falls so uh, i'd be interested to hear how he feels about how the board fell for him uh but i would just be a little bit concerned about that running back uh situation yeah, and I, I would agree with that. Uh, you know, it, it's funny because as you kind of gave, gave off your impressions, mine are mine are very similar here. As for picks that I that stood out to me, um, I said DJ Moore at the five three, but I also really like T Higgins at six yeah. twelve. 
Um, I think that was a really, really good value. I know that there's a lot of people who think that Jamar Chase is the receiver or is going to prove to be the receiver to to roster um, in Cincinnati this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe that is a year premature and um, and actually it's Higgins and he has the Burrow Higgins stack. So if that proves if you know if Higgins is the top receiver in Cincinnati from a fantasy perspective this this season then that's going to pay off in a major way for him as far as picks I am, am not a, as big a fan of I the one that really stood out to me was Singletary um, I'm a little biased here I think maybe because I actually feel like uh, he would be in a much better shape at running back had he taken one of the backs that I took on the turn there so instead of taking Singletary if he would have taken AJ Dillon or or Javante Williams, then I think I would um, be a little bit, I would feel a little better about his running back situation. I guess I'm just not a Singletary guy. I think that I would, from from, from the Buffalo Bills running back um, perspective, I would rather, I'd rather have Moss. But um, I guess time will tell. Uh, in any case, you're right. He's so strong at receiver that it just might not matter in the end. Um, so, um, but those, that's, those are just my, my quick impressions there of, of Isaiah's team. Um, moving on to Cam with the fourth pick. Um, and just real quick, as far as my stuff will be quick. If you want to, if you want to, you know, dive deeper, the obvious thing here, just, you know, just take a quick glance. I mean, this is a very, very. Uh, running back heavy approach here in the early in the early stages of the draft that Cam went with. He went with a very a very old school um, sort of sort of build. And my favorite pick from a value standpoint here is Miles Gaskin at five five oh four. Um, I know there's some concern there with the committee and is he going to be able to repeat what what we saw from him last year when he was on the field and healthy. Um, you know, of course, Malcolm Brown is new to the backfield there. How much volume is he going to take? Is he going to have, you know, is he going to take the sort of like the goal line touches? Um, I guess we'll find out. But uh, if Miles Gaskin is anything like he was last year from a volume and, and, pr- and productivity standpoint, then um, Gaskin at 504 is, is a tremendous value and, and a huge boost for him there. Um, not that he needed it because he's already got running backs, but, but you can't, you could never have too many running backs as far as picks that I, um, hate, uh, Deshaun Watson. I think that I've been very clear about the fact that I don't think that he's going to play. Um, so don't, so no one, no one can accuse me of, you know, of just utilizing today's newspaper to influence my my you know take here because you know coincidentally i told him from the jump that that pick was a mistake and then today uh on sleeper an update pops through um saying that the texans are prepared to uh have deshaun watson as an inactive every week so you know, as his legal issues continue to shake out, that's going to obviously take time. And I would say that 
probably the most likely outcome for this season is that we that Sean Watson doesn't play a snap. So so let's just assume that I'm right. If I'm right, if I'm right, then Cam uh, literally wiped his ass with an eighth round draft pick. Um, and I'm sure he would tell you, well, because I needed quarterbacks, and if Watson plays, he's a top five quarterback. Uh, the risk was worth it for me. And that's fine, I guess. I mean, I guess it could have been worse if he would have taken him earlier. But I think that I would rather get a player that's going to help me there. You know, and and he could have used somebody there. I mean, he has Woods and Michael Thomas, but Michael Thomas isn't healthy right now. So maybe instead of Michael Thomas, or maybe instead of Deshaun Watson... Maybe you snag one of these receivers that Max took. Maybe you take Chenault or, or Antonio Brown or, or even there's some other really solid names on the board that went off the board in the ninth. Like, like you know, like Cortland Sutton or Will Fuller or Marvin Jones or Debo Samuel or Michael Pittman or Brandon Cooks. Any of those guys help Cam's team a lot more in all likelihood than Deshaun Watson will this year. And so... Um, I, you know, I just, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of that pick whatsoever. Uh, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, the focus is on Cam's quarterbacks, which is totally justifiable. Um, you know, I, I'm with you. I don't think Watson is going to play. Uh, if he does, you know, it's, it's an absolute game changer. Uh, but it's such a huge risk. And, you know, and, and, you know, I heard Cam talking and, and, we all know Cam loves to talk, but uh, he, <laughs> you know he, he did. He made a good point. He said, "You know, I'm 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 playing to win." You know, and, and that's true because second place doesn't get you anything in this league. So uh, I, I can appreciate the aggression of, of that strategy, and, and he's not wrong. We are we're all playing to win. the The issue here, though, is that I wonder if it's possible if Cam maybe left himself with a few too many holes that to fill. Because, again, while the focus has been on the quarterbacks, the wide receiver position also suffered, uh, you know, in Cam's approach here. And, and I love Robert Woods. I don't have an issue with that. Michael Thomas isn't healthy. Russell Gage, we're assuming he's going to get a lot of the targets that were, you know, that were left behind by by the departure of Julio. But we, we don't know that. We're that That's a guess. And, and in the 11th round, that's a perfectly fine guess. But as you're de facto wide receiver too, since Michael Thomas isn't healthy yet, it's an awfully big risk to take. And I mean, Hollywood Brown, I feel like, haven't we seen that before? And and we'll see, but there's a non-zero chance where Watson doesn't play. He rolls into the entire season with Carson Wentz, who hasn't been good since what, 2018 and Jared Goff as his two quarterbacks. That's arguably the worst situation in the entire league. And his running backs are great, but he doesn't have the wide receiver two. He doesn't have really a quarterback one. And, you know, his, his even his tight ends, there there's some questions here on the tight end. So this is a very precarious team that Cam's on now, that Cam's built. Now we know Cam will, will make moves. We'll know he'll trade. We'll know he'll, he'll talk to people and he'll make sure he's involved in just about everything. So, you know, it's Cam's final product isn't what we're seeing here. It's going to change, but. It, there's there's some issues and even the running backs he took like Joe Mixon I like Joe Mixon I think he's a good player but there's some questions there 
that Cincinnati offensive line is not good. And Mixon wasn't an enjoyable player to have last year. The ride wasn't smooth with him. And, and the same goes for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So we'll see. And, and Gaskin is a very popular, you know, bus candidate. Um, so there's definitely a lot of things that can go wrong here for Cam. But if it all goes right, I mean, Cam might be Cam has a good shot to be fourteen hundred dollars richer, and I I think that was his play here. Sure, but what I'm hearing you say is Cam drafted the all boo boo squad, <laughs> all boo boo. And let me let me just say something real quick, Cam. I think that you need to get Chase Edmonds' name out your mouth. You. Hollywood Brown draft an ass. Okay? Hollywood Brown (laughs) is a certified bum. So you know what? You reap what you sow, big boy. And let's move on to a team that's actually worth talking about. So we're going to talk about Dewey and how Dewey did. Um, For me, just just my my quick notes here highlights of how he did here my favorite pick here from a value standpoint was kirk cousins at 505 uh frankly kirk cousins should have gone at 504 but you know you know you know i don't have to say you know so uh great pick there for for dewey making sure he locks up his second quarterback there and, you know, Cousins is perennially underappreciated for fantasy purposes. So that picks it out to me as, as a, a highlight for his, for his draft. As for the like, criticisms here, I've got two things that I would say. Um, number one, uh, Kyle Pitts at 410. Um, just given the history of rookie tight ends, no matter how prolific they are from an athletic standpoint, um, you're betting against history here when you take Kyle Pitts at 410. Now, could he be the first? Sure. But do you want to take that risk? I wouldn't. So that's look, that's just my bias, I suppose. What's not my bias is his last... Uh, five rounds. Um, mostly his last four rounds. I guess it's easy to lump in that T.Y. Hilton pick now that we know that T.Y. is not fully healthy. But um, and and I suppose you know even though he's a veteran and he struggled last year, like you know taking a shot on T.Y. in the thirteenth, um, there's worse things in the world. But but you know, Kellen Mond. Marcus Mariota, Jordan Love, and Alan Lazard as your last four picks. I'm not a huge fan of that way of closing out the draft in that way. Um, was were those picks as egregious of throwaway picks as Max's? Well, I'm not saying that, but you know, I told Dewey on draft day that Jordan Love was going to find his way to the free agency by next week. And lo and behold, take that long. Yeah, lo and behold, wake up this morning and sure as shit, there he is. So, um, but that's fine. Back end of your roster is there for churning. So, if 
if what's getting criticized on your team is the end of your draft, then you, you know, you you didn't totally shit the bed. I mean, that's that's a good thing. So, that's that's just my quick take on on Dewey's team. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's uh first of all, I'll say the the Kamara Gibson stack best one two punch in the league. Um not by a big margin, but I mean, those are two guys who could legitimately finish as, you know, the number one running back. I mean, Gibson, mm-hmm. probably a little bit more of a long shot there, but I think he could do it. Um, you know, to end up to wait until round three for your quarterback and to end up with Matt Ryan uh, is, is pretty solid. Um, I might've gone a little more upside at the quarterback position. Uh, you know, I mean, it doesn't sound like more upside, but like Tom Brady, I, mm-hmm. Brady's ahead of Ryan still in my mind. And, and Trevor Lawrence was still there, but I understand, you know, Scott not wanting to get too risky with, with the quarterback one spot. So Ryan's a good pick there, but yeah, I, I'm with you. The, the Kyle Pitts one, it's about where he's going. So I understand it. But then I look at, you know, what Scott did at the receiver position. I like Chase Claypool. I like Cortland Sutton. Do I like them on the same team as my one, two? No, I, I would have liked a little more there. And, and, you know, to see Robert Woods and Julio Jones and DJ Moore go off the, you know, off the board just a few picks later. Uh, I, I would have taken one of those guys over Pitts, but you know, somebody was going to take the dive on Pitts, and, and, you know, Scott did it and he didn't do it at a point where I think it's, you know, totally unexplainable. Uh, it's, it's right about where he's been going. Uh, I just, I probably would have gone with Woods or, or more personally, um, to give him a better, you know, wide receiver one. Uh, but it's, it's, it was an interesting play here. Uh, I was pretty interested in the Irv Smith pick. Uh, I know he's a, a pretty trendy sleeper, but it, Tanyan was still on the board. Gronk was still on the board. Dallas Goddard was still on the board. Tyler Higby was still on the board. Like, like I, I get, I get the hype of Irv Smith. I do, but I don't know. I just, I not a big fan of his. Uh, so yeah, there were a few things here and there. And like you said, the, the three quarterbacks in a row in rounds 14 through 16, I don't, I don't really get that. Um, especially since, None of them really have a shot to start, barring some kind of injury. Uh, so I, I I don't understand that. I guess Mond he has cousins and and you know handcuffing a quarterback who's famously anti-vax and anti you know social distancing and all that stuff. It, it, it's it's not the worst idea in the world. But yeah, the Pitts thing for me is kind of the the uh, the one thing that stood out just because of what it did to the rest of his uh, the rest of his lineup. Um, because you know, even even if he's fine with his 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 uh, wide receivers, I, there are some running back issues here. He has Kamara and Gibson, which is great, but if one of those guys gets hurt, I mean, who's he? Tony Pollard? He's thrown in there. I no, I think I, he, you got to you got to think he'll go. He would go with McKissick again. Eesh. I mean, I I know he would take Gibson's spot, like if Gibson got hurt, but. God forbid, what if Kamara gets hurt? Like, it just, it felt like the Pitts thing was a luxury, but I, I get it. Like I said, somebody was going to take that risk, and uh, it's Scott, and it could absolutely work out. Uh, I just, for me personally, you know, I'm not afraid to say it. I, I was too big of a bitch to ever take Kyle Pitts. That just was never going to be in the cards for me. So, 
uh, good on Scott. And uh, like I said, the the running backs and the quarterbacks, uh, they all stay healthy. That's that's a hell of a top of the lineup, and it's it's pretty safe too. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to TJ's team. I'm gonna make this quick for me because I don't have a lot to say here. Picks that I love. Well, considering the fact that we had quarterbacks coming off the board so fast, you'd think that with, what, seven quarterbacks coming off the board in the first round? Was it seven? Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six. And then the seventh was Herbert, two picks before TJ. So he gets gets Dak Prescott at the 209 as the eighth quarterback on the board. That strikes me as tremendous value. Um, So I love that pick for him. Um, And then if I'm going to go further down the board, because that's what I really love is to talk about the the later values. Jamal Williams at 11.06, I really, really like that. And especially for him because he did draft Swift in the fifth round. But even Mm -hmm. if he didn't have Swift, even Jamal Williams is just a standalone play. I know that Detroit... Uh, in all likelihood, won't have the most prolific offense in the league this season. But, um, but you know, Jamal Williams has has shown to be a, a nice player, and he can contribute in all phases, and he can punch it into the red zone. So I'm kind of uh, I kind of like Jamal Williams as a later a later play at the running back position. As for picks that I hate or would criticize, um, honestly, nothing really stands out to me. So I don't have anything to contribute on that front. I think TJ did a really nice job here. Yeah. TJ's draft to me is, you know, a shining example of what happens when you just let the board dictate. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you had asked TJ, if he thought he would have had a shot at Dalvin cook at the one at the one Oh six, he would have said no. I'm sure if you asked him if he thought he had a shot at Dak at the two Oh nine, he would have said no. Um, and so this is just a, a draft that is balanced. Uh, all the picks make sense. There are some potential home runs here and Will Fuller, um, and Elijah Moore in particular, they stand out Jalen Waddle. Uh, there's some depth here at the running back position in case Swift is out for a few weeks. There's, you know, an elite tight end mixed in here. There is just about everything here. And it's just TJ, you know, following the board and just, Hey, look, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to make bold picks. I'm not going to make, you know, I'm not going to be the talk of the, of the, uh, of the draft during the draft, but I'm just going to take the guys that you guys let me take basically is what it is. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's a really good draft. I don't have any, you know, major complaints here. Um, you know, I, I would say wide receiver two, there's a lot of lottery tickets, but I mean, we've seen what Will Fuller can do when he's healthy and not suspended. So. Uh, we, we know the, the, just the raw athletic talent of Jalen Waddle and Elijah Moore. So there's definitely really, I mean, I don't really feel that bad or concerned about TJ's wide receiver too. I think he's in a really good spot. So, uh, kudos to him for letting the draft just kind of fall to him. And, and, you know, he kind of checked in with me on every pick and it was just, you know, it was just nails. I, I think he only got sniped once or twice and, and, uh, he just, he just did a great job. I just, I, I can't really find anything to complain about. And, uh, and that's annoying. Step your game up, Brian and Scott. <laughs> Come on, guys. Well, speaking of Brian, Brian is next here on the board. Um, for me, uh, I have one pick that I really love and one pick that I really hate. So, love. Can I guess is, your love? It's pretty obvious. It's Hopkins, right? It has to be Hopkins. Yeah. 
There's Hopkins has no business being there at 307. Oh yeah. So that was a hell of a pick for him, a hell of a value. And he knows it. That was one of that you know, I know that it's tough to argue it as one of the best value picks in the draft given that it was a third round pick. But Hopkins in this format being super flex, I mean, he needs to be off the board probably at some point in the second round for sure. You know, and if somebody if somebody really wanted to go receiver and they and they pulled the trigger on Hopkins in the first, I don't blink. But Brian got him at 307. So to me, that's a hell of a pick. Um, as far as hate, uh, Danny Chump change at the 808. Um, you know, that's not somebody I'd ever want to rely on in Superflex under any circumstances whatsoever. And unfortunately for Brian, that is his QB2. Um, so, you know, that's just, that's just symptomatic of, you know, the, he really just let the board come to him in a similar way as TJ did. Um, and he was just reaping all this value as it fell in his lap. And, but quarterbacks were just falling off the board fast. And by the time he got the, you know, by the time he pulled the trigger on that QB two, it was, um, well, it was a smidge late. <laughs> so hey who knows though maybe maybe Danny Chump change finally shows us something for the first time now that they've you know given him you know he's gonna have a healthy Saquon they got him a an alpha dog receiver in, in Kenny Galladay but um I wouldn't want to bank on that so yeah um quarterback two is an issue uh, you know, if you get the same Josh Allen you did last year, then he's basically two quarterbacks. So, so you, you don't really need Daniel <laughs> Jones to be all that great, but, um, you know, that's, that's definitely some, an area to watch here. Also, uh, running back to, um, you know, Kenyon Drake and, and Naheem Hines, not, not, not good. Um, but you know, he, he did stack up on a bunch of, uh, flyer running backs in rounds 12 through 17. Um, so clearly Brian is aware of the, the potential issue that he might have there somewhere down the line and he addressed it. And like you said, to go Allen Metcalf Hopkins in the first three rounds and still end up with Miles Sanders. That's a, that's a pretty good one through four right there. Um, that's a good job of just, you know, letting the board fall to him. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Brian, Brian has a good team. Uh, we'll see how long it takes him to trade half of it away. Uh, but, uh, for now it, it, it's a pretty solid, he even, he even managed to snag a little bit of tight end depth, uh, which is nice. And, and, you know, again, one of my favorite picks in the entire draft was Odell Beckham in the seventh. I really like that, uh, that value there. So, uh, yep. Uh, Brian and TJ both did a really good job. Um, the board, you know, like you said, it just kind of like they said, Hey, the board fell this way. That's what I'm going to take. I'm not going to, I'm not going to reach. I'm not going to panic. I'm, I'm just going to let, let the chips fall where they may. Indeed. Um, so the next the next owner here is uh, Brennan. Uh, his first his first draft with us, and overall, if you just look at it at face value, you know he did he did a, a nice job here, a solid team. Uh, for me, the picks that really stand out from a value standpoint, I'm going to go down the board a, a bit here. I like how he took um, Mac Jones as his third quarterback in the tenth round. Um, I think that's really good value and totally worth a shot um, from a from a fantasy perspective in a super flex league. 
Um, and I also like the Sony Michelle pick that he took in the 11th round. Yep. I think a lot of people probably forgot that Sony Michelle got traded from New England to LA. And it's going to be interesting to see what type of a role that he has for the Rams. But you got to think the fact that they were willing to be proactive and adding another running back to their roster uh, would seem to indicate that he is going to have some sort of a meaningful role here in this LA offense. So I like that pick for, for Brennan. As far as picks that I'm not as big of a fan of, and this is something that I would have said last year, so I'm, um, you know, no surprise here. I'm, I've just never been a big Raheem Mostert guy. Um, so, so Mostert in the sixth round, um, my thought is, you know, they drafted Trey Sermon for a reason. You got to think at some point that Trey Sermon is probably going to take that job. And if that does transpire, then, um, that might be a little, just slightly troublesome for him. Not too bad because he he did he did take Chubb in the first and he got Josh Jacobs in the fourth. So you know it's not a, a death blow or anything. But um, yeah, I'm just not a huge Raheem Moss. It's not it's not like it was awful value or anything. I mean that's fine. It's a fine place to take Monster. I'm just not. I'm just never. I've just never been a fan of his. So. Yeah, I, I think in general he's overrated as a player. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's particularly talented. Um, he's he's fast, but, you know, so is every NFL running back. But I, I've never been too impressed with him. Uh, but like you said, the value is, is fine. That's that's where he should go. So, And he's in, you know, he's Brennan's uh, number three running back, not his number two. So uh, that, that's actually really good value there. Uh yeah, you know, there's really not too much to, you know, complain or critique here. Uh, quarterback two, a bit of an issue, but hey, if you didn't have two quarterbacks after round four-ish, maybe five, I mean, then your quarterbacks are going to be an issue. They just they just went off the board like like crazy. So um, overall, I, I think you have to be, I, I think he has to be pretty happy. I, I really like the Chubb pick. Um, Herbert over Prescott, pretty interesting. Um not something I would do, but also I don't think it's, you know, ridiculous or anything like that. Um, and yeah, it's just, like you said, there, there's very, there's very few holes here. There's very few areas that you look at and you say, well, that, that could have been better. This could have been better. Um, like you said, Teddy Bridgewater, not great, but Hey, you know what? Mac Jones is going to be the starter there eventually in new England. Um, so he should be okay there. Uh, and you know, every single team that we're talking about here has somewhere they can upgrade. That's, that's the, that's the monster. That is a 14 team league. Somebody you're, you have a hole somewhere on your roster. Everybody does. So, uh, it's all about minimizing that. And, and I think he did a good job. So, uh, this is a, a good showing, uh, not only for, uh, not only for Kevin, that feels weird. Um, but, uh, also those who, uh, advocated so, uh, so strongly for him. So, uh, welcome to the league. And um, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> I bet you never thought you were going to say that to a former teacher. <laughs> hey, 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 I only had him for, in one class for senior year. So, oh, that makes it that makes it OK. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so moving on to Steven's team, I feel like I am contractually obligated to say that I didn't love any of his picks. Um, <laughs> but no, sure. in, all, in all seriousness, um, we know how Steven feels about that. Uh, we don't need to hear. We, we don't need to hear about it. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, no. I what my favorite part of his draft is actually the late rounds. 
Um, yep. And that's just going to be symptomatic of being overly intoxicated and literally taking the player that the app is telling you has the highest ADP. <laughs> but it worked out for him, you know. Rounds 12 through 15, he ended up with Michael Gallup, Rashad Bateman, Devonta Parker, and Gio Bernard. I think those are all great values in those late rounds. So instead of being like some of the other owners in the league and kind of just, you know, treating those those sort of later picks with disregard, you know, maybe, you know, I think this goes to show that those picks, you can get value there, you know, um, if you're willing to, to, to view every pick as potentially valuable for you. Um, as far as picks that I hate, this is just, this is just so easy. Uh, you know, it's David Johnson at, at 11, nine, you know, and I know a lot of people are going to think that's ironic because I was a big <laughs> fan of David Johnson's coming into last year, but the Texans are the, 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 the 2021 Texans are not the 2020 Texans. I don't, I'm not convinced that the 2021 Texans are going to win a single game. Um, and I mean that I, I, I don't know that I don't know that they will. Um, they're, this is going to be a really, really dark time to be a Houston Texan fan. This is going to be one of the one of the worst football teams that we've seen in in our lifetime. Um, and Johnson appears to not have a role on this team. Really, he's an aging running back. He's clearly past his prime. And I wouldn't be shocked if he wasn't even on the roster come come you know kickoff here in a week and a half um, because it seems like they kind of want to ride with Ingram and Lindsey. But at this point, who really knows what they're doing? I wonder if the Houston Texans even know what they're doing. Nonetheless, uh, yeah, David Johnson at in the eleventh round. It's not. I mean, fortunately, you didn't you didn't draft him too early, so it's like whatever, I guess. But um, he was off my board. I was never going to take him. He could have been there in the seventh round, seventeenth round, and I still wouldn't have drafted him. Um, so okay, well. Disrespect to Tarod Taylor noted and ignored. Um, oh, I liked I liked I liked Tarod Taylor. No, I, it's it's, or, it's already out there, Matt. You think he's a bum? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so yeah, Stevens team is is uh, is interesting. Barkley, you know, I, I know a lot of people were like, oh, you know, that's a risky pick and blah blah blah. Is it? I mean, like, at some point, right? Barkley can only slide so far, and getting you know the potential number one player in fantasy not point score. That's going to be a, a quarterback, of course, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Getting that guy at nine, maybe it takes a couple of weeks before he reaches his full potential, whatever. Like, I, I think that's a fine pick. Um, not a huge fan of Jalen hurts, uh, particularly as a QB one. I think there's huge bust potential there. I think there's a chance that he's benched in real life by like week seven or eight. So, um, He's not a good passer. He's not accurate. You're basically banking on him being poor man's Lamar Jackson, which is definitely possible. So don't don't uh, think it's not. But I just that to take Hurts over Tom Brady or Trevor Lawrence, eh, just no. It just no. I I I had Hurts as like a sixth round pick. I I knew I wasn't going to get him, and I was fine with that. I'm not a huge fan of his. Uh, Mike Evans going to to Steven's team is probably you know, top five least surprising picks in the entire draft. And it's a pretty good spot for him to go. So it's not like it was a reach or anything. 
uh, you know, the thing with Evans is that he's going to put up 30 points one week and he's going to put up six the next. And you have no way of knowing when those weeks are going to come. You just know at the end of the year, he's going to have a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. You just don't know what four games he'll score those 10 touchdowns in. So um, it's not, it's not a fun ride with him, but it's, you know, it's effective. Um, Kenny Galladay, you know, again, second round pick last year, coming off of an injury, new team, shit quarterback. We'll see how that goes. Um, but I, I, again, I think that's fine value. I, I, I didn't see really any reaches here per se. Uh, I think Steven did a pretty good job. And like you mentioned towards the end, uh, you know, sleeper cleaned it up for him, uh, you know, in rounds really, you know, 12 through 16. But I, I also do like the, the pick he made in the 10th round, uh, Curtis Samuel. I'm a fan of his. So, um, Overall, I think it's pretty good. I, I, I think the quarterbacks are, are kind of the problem here. Problem. Uh, you know, Hertz and Tua, not exactly the safest tandem to go with, but there there is a lot of upside there. So uh, that could really end up working out for, for Steven. And uh, we'll see what Henderson, you know, what his role is uh, in that Rams offense. I, I think it's pretty, I think, I think he's pretty safe. But hey, you know what, that's Steven's running back three, so. If that's your issue with your running back, you're in pretty good shape. So overall, I think, I think Steven did a, a pretty nice job. Fair enough. Like I said, despite all of the, uh, despite all of the criticism on draft night, I'm not, I can't, I can't look at his roster and say, there's no universe that exists where this works out for him and his team, you know, is, is really great because that could definitely happen. This is definitely like, the ultimate like ceiling floor team in terms like no team has no single team. I think in the whole league has a wider range of outcomes than Stevens. Um, Moving on to Garza's Uh, with Garza. I had two, two picks that really stood out to me and one that I was not as big of a fan of. So with Garza, my favorite values here are Robbie Anderson in the eighth round. Um, mm-hmm. I, I understand that, you know, they, they went from Bridgewater to Darnold. I guess the question at that point is, is, is that a downgrade? Is it a wash? Who knows? Maybe it's even an upgrade now that Darnold's now that, yeah, now that Darnold's not, you know, with Adam Gaze, so if it is, I think it's easy to forget how good Robbie Anderson was last year. Clearly Garza didn't forget because he rostered him last year. Um, so if Robbie Anderson is even is even 85-90% of what he was last year, then this is a total slam dunk for him in the 8th round. Uh, I'm also a fan of uh, taking, a, taking a, a gamble on Brian Edwards in the 12th round here. At the 1205, he took Brian Edwards. Um, I like that pick for Garza. So I, I think I think that uh, those are the two picks that stand out to me as like is like the best values. He had some other picks that, that I, I thought were good values as well. But the one that I would say that I'm maybe not as big of a fan of is uh, Logan Thomas in the sixth round. Um, it's just a little rich for me, you know. Um, you know, I I know Logan Thomas is 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 good. You know, I know in your, in your, I know you're a bigger fan of Logan Thomas than I am. Um, no, I was right. What was that? And I was right. Pull yeah. Up the 2020 board bets. Thank you. Yes, 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 exactly. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, 
it just is a little rich to me. That's it. I just feel like there's other players he could have taken there instead of Logan Thomas. Um, you know, that I think would have helped his overall team in a little bit more in the end. But but all things considered, you know, the only the only potential uh, potentially real obvious weakness here on this roster is the second running back spot and that doesn't make him um unique in any stretch you know um a lot of teams are are a little thin there so um overall a lot of really good players here a lot of good values here with guards team i think he did a good job i think we're going to see him rebound this year yeah you know if he sets his lineup so um anyways (laughs) (laughs) hashtag never forget uh but hashtag uh, competitive integrity that's right baby always um <laughs> uh, i completely disagree with you on the logan thomas pick i thought that was a really good i don't want to say it's a really good value it's about where you, you should take him um and you know to pair him up with hawkinson is is pretty nice that's a pretty formidable one too um there's a lot of safety there and there's still some upside uh you know no real issues with the first four picks um to team up tyreek hill and, and Allen robinson that's a that's a pretty good one-two punch uh i'm sorry I'm, uh yeah uh Quarterback two, not great, but you know Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic baby, the uh, uh, the uh, libertarian quarterback. Uh, he is he's a fun guy to have on your team. I really like the Robbie Anderson pick. I really like the Marvin Jones Jr. pick. Um, no surprise there. I think that eight nine uh, stack there that's really going to be valuable um, for Garza or for you know for Garza to make some trades with somebody who might need a wide receiver down the road. Uh, and I, I think you're right. He will have to address that running back too. not a huge fan of the Michael Carter and, you know, Tevin Coleman situation there in, in New York. But again, you didn't draft a running back two until the, until the 10th round. It's not awful that Michael Carter is, is that running back too. We'll see. But uh, yeah, overall, again, I, I think, I think uh, Garza did a pretty nice job. Uh, no real, you know, mega complaints here. It's just just solid top to bottom. Agreed. Um, moving on to the other new owner uh, in our league, Mitchell, and his inaugural draft. Um, and there's a lot of picks that I could that I could choose here to say love because I like a lot of the players that he drafted, just in a general sense. But mm-hmm. I like, but when I when I do my loves and my hates, I'm not focusing on that. I'm focusing more on value. Um, I have a sneaking suspicion. I guess maybe look, I could be one of the suckers who falls for it. I know he hasn't had the best preseason, but I like Jamar Chase at six oh four. You know, I would t- I would have drafted Jamar Chase. I think if Jamar Chase can, you know, if he can live up to his his prospect pedigree here in his rookie season in the NFL, despite the fact that he appears to be a little bit rusty after taking a year away from playing football, he is reunited with his college quarterback, Joe Burrow, uh, you know, and I think that Jamar Chase is going to, you know, get this rust off sooner rather than later. And I think he's going to have a hell of a year. So I like Jamar Chase at 604, but the real best value pick here um, in my, in my view is Jerry Judy, uh, eighth round, 804. Mm -hmm. I really like that pick a lot. Um, I think he, I think he did really well there. Now, as far as hate, I mean, it's just obvious. I mean, the, the JK Dobbins pick, unfortunately, I think Mitchell was maybe one of the few that, that just wasn't aware, um, that, 
I, I think I think Mitchell said he knew. Uh, obviously, nobody knew the severity until the next morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Mitchell was aware that he had left the game. I don't know if he was aware of the severity of the uh, of the injury. And I mean, hell, this is what the second time in, in three years that we've had like a draft day like disaster happen. There's always there's always at least one landmine to step on. <laughs> there always is. All every year we do the draft the same weekend every single year. And and without fail, there's always at least one landmine to step on, and it's always a bummer when it's always a bummer to see somebody step on it. But you know, it happens. Um, Wasn't me. So I mean, that's you just have. That's all you could do is just you know wipe the sweat off your brow and just you know thank the fantasy gods that that it wasn't you, and then you pour one out for our for our fallen brethren. You know. But I think that I think that hope is not lost. You know, it it does suck for a fifth round pick to be a zero. Okay, I mean I'm not gonna. There's no mistake about that. There's there was a lot of really valuable players on the board there. You know, um, I'm under the impression that he didn't know about Dobbins. Maybe I'm totally off. Okay, and, and no. maybe you're right. And if you're right, know. yeah, if you're right, then one way or another it doesn't matter. I guess the results are the same. It's just that's the obvious. That's the obvious pick to choose here in terms of if you're going to criticize something that he did that's going to be it as far as i'm concerned the rest of this as far as i'm concerned uh really nice work interesting so um i would i would pretty much parrot everything you said i i I like the first four picks really i think kyler you know could be the highest scorer in 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 the you know all of fantasy this year um nage is is nice It's, it's pretty good value there you know, Trevor Lawrence hasn't been spectacular in the, uh, you know, in, in the preseason, but you know, I think he's going to be solid. There's some pretty good weapons there. And again, you look at the run of quarterbacks that went, you know, in that third round, I get it. So, uh, not a huge Jamar chase fan actually. Um, so I'm not really loving that pick, especially with the, the wide receivers that went after him. Uh, well, only really three of them, but yeah, not not loving that, but I totally get it. Judy, I think, is, is probably, you know, one of the better picks in the entire draft. Also snagging Jarvis Landry in the in the tenth. I mean, that's boring, but probably gonna help him win a few weeks here and there. So um I, I like that pick as well. Um so before we move on, it sounds like you're a pretty pretty big Jamar Chase fan, right? I like Jamar Chase. Would you be interested in a board bet? I mean, it depends. If you're gonna Mot- say, if you're gonna Go say Higgins versus Chase, then I'm not that convicted. I, so. I I'm not gonna say Higgins, though he is one of the one of the three I said I would take over over Chase in that that scenario. What What are you thinking here? Odell Beckham Jr. Wow, that's interesting. Want to think about it? I will have to think about that a little bit, but that is really Bitch. really interesting. Bitch. Anyways, uh, no, yeah, I I think that's a good one. I think we have, I think we would each have a pretty equal chance of winning that, but obviously I feel better about my side. Sure. But, uh, yeah, it's overall, it's, it's a pretty nice job by, by Mitchell. Um, you know, again, the Dobbins thing is unfortunate, but Hey, somebody was going to take that chance. You know what? Now that I think about it, cause I'm thinking about it. It's like, man, if I was drafting, I definitely would have taken Jamar Chase over Odell. 
So if I'm going to draft Jamar Chase over Odell, then that means that should, unless you're just an idiot, that should mean that you think he's going to score more than Odell. So I say that Jamar Chase scores more fantasy points in 2021 than Odell Beckham Jr. And I say that Odell Beckham Jr. scores more fantasy points in 2021 than some loser named Chase who plays in Cincinnati. Put it on the board. Put it on the board. There we go. <laughs> board bet number one secured. Perfect. Oh, we got to put we're, – we're supposed to put money on those this year. What do we say, five bucks? Something we, small? I'm not – yeah, I'm not sure. We can just we'll, – we'll, we'll, we'll shake it out. We'll figure it out. But in any okay. case, um, all right, where were we? We finished – Tyler. Tyler. Did, no, we just finished Brennan, yeah. Steven, Garza, Mitch. Okay, there we go. Mitchell. Okay, so we yeah. got three more. All right, Tyler's team. You know, I looked at this team. No surprise, a very Tyler team here. A lot of Seahawks. That's not a bad thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. A lot of Seahawks, a lot of players that, a lot of good players, a lot of players that Tyler always picks or or, or just seem to end up on his roster one way or another. Um, I really like Carson at 312. Yep. Um, that's a really, really good value there. I think that he is another one of those guys that I would characterize as just like for some inexplicable reason, he's perennially underrated. I think that the, the injury risk with him is, is overstated. Um, and so I like Carson there a lot, especially with how, you know, how quickly running backs in terms of uh, value, how, fall the, how, how quickly the value falls off there. So for him to wait until the third round to pick his first running back and still get Carson, I like that a lot for him. Uh, another one that really stands out to me a lot is actually Debo Samuel in the ninth round. Yep. Um, you know, I think that maybe there's just this sentiment that Brandon Ayuk is, has overtaken Samuel in, as the receiver to, to, to own as the wide receiver one in, in San Francisco, I'm not sold on that. Um, so I like Debo and I like Debo a lot as a ninth round pick here. I think that was one of the better values of the entire draft, to be quite frank, as far as criticisms, I know this is another Tyler guy. He just takes him every year and maybe they have something special planned for him. Uh, but I don't, uh, I guess we'll find out Deshaun Jackson uh in the 12th round i'm just not sure you know I, I you know it was a late pick but i feel like there was some some other players even that late in the draft that i like more than sean jackson at this at this stage of his career i'm just not really sure what type of a you can't really anticipate reliability there like i think that deshaun jackson i hate to use this phrase but like better for best ball i mean i think yeah. I, you're never gonna know when to start him he is definitely gonna have weeks that he blows up um but he's also going to have weeks where he probably gives you a goose egg and so if you're if you want to invite that type of volatility onto your roster then i mean by all means it, it if that's what you're looking for it'd be tough to do much better than deshaun but um yeah i'm just not quite sure necessarily about his role or frankly at this stage of his career his ability to to stay healthy for oh you know the rigors of an eighteen game NFL season. Yeah, it's it's kind of a throwaway pick. Um, I I mean I feel like I got to just we should just coin a term for in honor of Tyler uh, being the most consistent drafter. Like like 
Tyler basically went exactly how everybody would have expected. Um, but he did so without reaching for really anybody. And, you know, TJ made the comment that, Hey, you know, yeah, you took Russ, you took Carson, you took Lockett, but you took them all in, you know, places they should go. Right. But I mean, I feel like he did that last year too. So I, I don't feel like this is something new for Tyler, but it's a very Tyler team. You mentioned the Seahawks. Um, you know, you mentioned Debo, obviously you missing, you mentioned Deshaun. I knew he was going to take Rashad Penny and it, it makes sense. Assuming he doesn't get cut or traded. Um, <laughs> Dwayne Eskridge. Sure. Why not? So it was, it was a very Tyler team, but it's a very, you know, it's a very solid team. And, and you, when you look at the starting lineup, looks pretty good. When you look at the bench, it's absolute shit. And that that's a Tyler team. So it's, it's a very, uh, it's a, it's a very on brand, uh, you know, team for Tyler. Now, the one thing I would say, the one pick that I would say that I, I didn't really like at all, for that matter, uh, Amari Cooper at 403, ahead of Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, Mike Evans, C.D. Lamb, Robert Woods, Julio Jones, D.J. Moore, Cooper Cup. Uh, not a fan of that. I, I, I Cooper, I've, I've been on that train before. It sucks. It's awesome sometimes, but it sucks other times, and it's just – you know, as my wide receiver one, I would have preferred, you know, Robinson or Allen certainly over, over Amari Cooper. Sure. I would agree with that. That's it. Other than that, really nice job. Agreed. All right. We got two teams left. The next one is Jake Smith. Uh, Mm -hmm. Picks that I loved on Jake Smith's team. Uh, Well, the one that stands out to me the most is probably Justin Jefferson at 313. Yep. Um, I mean, how can you argue with that? But that's the here's the thing. As the draft was going on, uh, you know, chatting with a few other guys there, and man, you know, once you got out of the first round, it was amazing. All of the value for like the next two, three rounds was at the receiver spot, and it took the league a few, a few rounds to to catch up. You know. Yeah. And so there were a few owners. There were a few owners, most notably, you know, Brian and probably Jake that really cashed in, um, you know, on the receiver front, you know, and I guess to a certain extent, I'd also toss, you know, maybe Garza and, and Isaiah into that, into that group of guys who really took that value at receiver as it, as it fell, you know? And so for, for Jake to get Jefferson at the end of the third round is just an unbelievable value for him. Um, I also really, really like, Marquez Callaway at the 12 2. Yep. Um, if nothing else, that's going to be um, really helpful here for the early stages of the season as we await the return of Michael Thomas to the Saints offense. So those are the picks that really stand out to me the most in terms of value for him. Uh, in terms of uh, criticisms, uh, thanks to Cam. Uh, once again, I guess I'm contractually obligated to say James Connor, my mortal enemy at the 802, but in all seriousness, um, and this is another one of those rosters that another one of those drafts, I don't have any picks here that I, that I take real issue with. Mm-hmm. I think that Jake did a really nice job. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and I mean, it's hard to find a wide receiver tandem better than Adams and Jefferson. Let's call that the founding fathers 
yeah. Jake, there you go. That's the new team name there for your uh, for your wide receiver, you know, stack. The founding fathers. Uh, those are great picks, both of them. Um, you know, to wait until the fourth and get James Robinson, I think that's pretty good. Not not a huge fan of Robinson's talent, but obviously the opportunity. And he, he's not a bum, right? I just, I don't think he's great talent wise, but he's not a bum, and he's going to have plenty of opportunity there. So that that's a really nice pick there. Um, you know, Trey Lance is is a fun pick too, and at, at six uh, six oh two, um, and you know Jake, smart guy, he was smart enough to back it up with Jimmy Garoppolo. So uh, you know he knows he's going to have a starting quarterback every week, uh, even if it takes a couple weeks for Lance to be the guy, which again I I don't think is going to be the case, but you never know. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the running back too, not great, but I, you know, Jake felt really confident about Melvin Gordon. And I mean, who would know better than Jake, right. About that Broncos running back situation. Uh, my two favorite picks, probably Tyler Boyd at the, uh, 10 Oh two and Austin Hooper at uh, 11.13. Uh, you'll, you'll see how I feel about Hooper here when we do bold predictions, but, uh, I really like those two picks late in the draft. Um, Again, not not too many not too many criticisms here. I I feel like it's a really good you know well balanced team. Running back two could be an issue if if Gordon loses the job, and I kind of think Connor's a schmuck. Like I, I don't think he's a special talent at all. Uh, but we'll see if he gets that opportunity. I, I know you have Edmonds, so you have a, a vested interest in that. But Ed, Edmonds is just better. So we'll see. Did what you hear happens. that, Cam? Did you hear that? I want to <laughs> rewind that. Listen to it. Turn it up a little bit. Yeah, Edmonds is better than whatever the schmuck's name is. I already forgot. So he, he he's just not good. So yeah, I, I think this is, and by the way, I, I also really like the, the Dalton pick. I mean, I know that's boring and lame and, and nobody cares, but the bears are just stupid enough to give Dalton a few starts here and there. So if the 49ers are dumb enough to give Garoppolo a few starts before they go to Trey Lance, I mean, you could play matchup with those two guys. Hey, and it's, it's super flex. So any quarterback yeah. that's starting has at least some type of value. Mm-hmm. And Marlon Mack at 16 in the 16th round. Mack's just a pretty solid player and he's coming off of injury. And, and, you know, I mean, obviously he's not going to unseat Jonathan Taylor there, but he's still a good player. So he's worth rostering. So I, I really like what Jake did. I, I think it's one of my favorite teams. Um, and, you know, picking this late, it's I, I understand how hard that is. And so I, I, I really appreciate the the, uh, the job that he did. Agreed. And finally, we have your team. So I'll go into this one real quick because I don't have too much to say here. Um, you know, obviously, I mean, it looks like for the most part to me, I look at it and it looks like you got a pretty balanced team here. There's no obvious holes. Um I think where you really crushed it here, what I really love when I look at your, your total draft here, the whole body of work, what stands out to me is the middle of your draft. So yeah. uh, rounds seven through 10, every pick I think is just a slam dunk. You, you know, Gus Edwards, Trey Sermon, Michael Pittman, Brandon Cooks. Those are just great picks. I mean, that's, that's just, there's just no way around it. You know, that, so I think that to me, all in all, uh, you know, a really quality draft. Um, and, and, and as far as, you know, anything to criticize, I've got nothing. So, um, you know, you didn't waste any pick and you have a really well-rounded roster with no real obvious weaknesses here. But I really like those 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 picks right there 
Edwards, Sermon, Pittman, Cooks, and um, and being as this draft did happen after you know the day of the Dobbins injury, I'm just kind of surprised that that Edwards lasted to the end of the seventh round. Um, if we drafted, you know, now knowing what we know now, you got to think that he would have gone at least a little bit sooner than that. Probably, a, probably at least a round or two sooner than that. So, um, yeah. So I think that I, th- I really like that pick. I really like I really like all four of those picks, and I think you did had a really a really nice draft here. So a lot of upside and uh, and good work. Thank you. I appreciate that. So uh, I w- I was looking at my uh, you know my draft when I was I was doing these notes and and you know typically what what happens is is I go through and I say. Okay, let, let's use hindsight here and say where maybe maybe where did I make a mistake? Maybe where should I, you know, if I had known the board was going to fall this way, I should have taken this guy here instead of this guy. Mm-hmm. And I, I did that here. And honestly, based on how the draft fell, how the other 13 guys drafted in front of me and, you know, just kind of the runs and, and, you know, all the information I have, I, I don't regret a single pick. I, I really don't. I feel like I took the right guy at the right spot, um, which I mean sounds braggadocious but like i just i don't know like how to well I, I i i can give it to you in a more interesting way because it sounds like you think that's great that you feel that way and and in a perfect world everyone should feel that way i've spent an embarrassingly an embarrassingly large amount of time studying this board so i've got two questions for you because i have questions about whether or not maybe i did make a mistake you know Okay. So, so I've got, I've got, well, one that's, that's straight across and then, um, and then one we'd kind of had to spell out. So here's the first one. Who do, would you rather have for the 2021 season? Chase Edmonds or Miles Gaskin? Edmonds. Okay. Well then there you go. That's surprising because, uh, most, supposed experts uh have gaskin over Edmonds, but i pulled the trigger on Edmonds, and the reasoning my reasoning is Edmonds is in a two-back committee with a running back that i'm not convinced is particularly special at this point and i don't trust uh, i don't trust connor to stay healthy gaskin is in a three-headed committee uh so that gives to me i give a little bit of an edge to Edmonds. But the other thing is, is I just like the Arizona offense more than the Miami mm-hmm. offense. So that's my thought. I think it's very, really, really close. I'm not saying that it's a no-brainer. I, it's far honestly, from a no-brainer. Right. I, I agree with that. But honestly, to me, Edmonds is just the better player. So, yeah, I want the better player. There you go. Uh, if, and if situation is, is similar, then give me the more talented guy. I think Edmonds is a little more ta- talented than Gaskin. And I say that as a guy who really enjoyed watching miles Gaskin run the ball for four years at the university of Washington. So mm-hmm. I just, I just think Edmonds is a little bit more talented. So then my other one is who do you, who would you rather have for the, for the duration of the 2021 season? De- uh, Derek Carr or, or J- James Winston. Because coming would- into the draft, my target was Winston but when it came when it came to my pick in the sixth round, I took Chark, thinking there's no way that Max will take Winston, and then he did. So then I pivoted to Carr, and and what I wonder is, maybe if I would have gone Winston, 
and then say, hopefully he doesn't take Chark. But he, but for all I know, he might have taken Chark. So, yeah. um, so in the end, then I thought about it, and I was like, well, you know what? Carr is probably safer than Winston. So, so maybe this is actually better for me in, in, in the grand scheme of things. But I just I I recognize Jameis Winston all throughout the summer as a value, and I do feel like he got pushed up just this last week or so, um, heading right. into our draft. But that's fine; it's no big deal. But it, I feel like the Winston versus Carr thing—that's really reliant on build. What does your build look like coming up to that? Because for somebody like Max, who has one quarterback and it's Matt Stafford, who I think is a tinge overrated, by the way. I, I played into the meme there that, you know, I was really interested in Stafford this year and had the board fallen, you know, a certain way. Yeah, I would have taken him, but I think he's a, a tad overrated. I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. So for Max, who, you know, has one quarterback and he's pretty, pretty sound, you know, Stafford, he's, he's good. No doubt about that. Um, I, I think for him, it makes sense to go with a little bit of upside there. Whereas for you with Tannehill and Fields, Fields is the question mark here. Um, and I know you love his talent. I do too. The weapons around him are fantastic. They're very underrated. Uh, they could be a very good offense. And so, um, but we don't know if he's going to start week one, he, even though he should, you know, he's still just a rookie. Sometimes those guys take time. You know, we just, we just don't know. And we can't really sit here and say, oh, we know, because we don't. So for you and your build, I think Carr or Roethlisberger made more sense than, say, Winston or Zach Wilson. Um, so I, I think you made, I, I think it worked out for you. But I like in a vacuum, I'd probably rather have Winston. But again, it's the build is so important mm-hmm. when you're comparing those two that I think it worked out pretty well for you. Sure. Okay. Well. Again, just like anything, time will tell, but I thought those were some kind of interesting uh, player debates and things that I kind of thought about as I was stu- as I was kind of studying how things played out. Um, so I guess now we can go into our five bold predictions. But before we do that, let me make one thing clear. So we do have our Chase versus Odell board bet. Immediately mm-hmm. after the draft, I had a couple of guys who were um, pretty hostile with their uh, opinions. So I've actually got two other bets, one with Cam and one with um, TJ. So Cam wanted to do an Edmonds versus Connor bet. I get Edmonds, he gets Connor. And TJ wanted to do a Chark versus Marvin Jones bet. I get Chark and he gets Jones. So I'll get those. Yeah. I'll get those on the league chat and I will um, pin them. So that so I want so just wanted to get that out of the way. So and if and if and if nothing else, if somehow they get washed off the board or whatever, I'll have them saved to a Word document on my computer. All right, now we have two things left here, and that is five bold predictions and a Super Bowl prediction to close it out. So let me just say off the top. Um, this is going to come as no surprise because this is basically the way that I do it every year. I did very minimal research. This is entirely, I don't know if I should say it's entirely scientific or it's entirely not scientific. It Look, it is, I just have a hunch, okay? I've got a sixth sense. I know things. 
And that's how I came up with my bold predictions. And that's also how I drafted my team. So coincidentally, four of these five predictions are about players that are on my roster. That benefits me for multiple (laughs) reasons. Number one, I'm not saying positive things about players that are not on my team. And number two, well, actually, the only thing that matters is number one. (laughs) Um, I... I would say this. I went the opposite direction as you because I'm not a bitch. I'm not afraid to let people know who I like. For Fair fear that they're gonna trade they're hope, gonna make the trade demand too high for me. I hope I'm that not that's, a bitch, Matt. I hope that, that strategy works out for you in the Probably in trade negotiations. <laughs> Probably right. won't, but whatever. So, Let's do this. All right. So I'm gonna go I like to do it from what I be, from what I believe. And it, and I love this is what I love. I love how every year I think that I'm gonna deliver these in order from least spicy to, you know, ultra make your mouth burn hot, drink a gallon of milk, you know, go to the hospital hot, you know. Um, But we always have a disagreement about which one is actually the spiciest. So I'm going to start off with something that I think is tame. But keep in mind, a lot of my takes are, are unconventional, you know. That's why it's a bold prediction. But I'm going to tell you what I think, okay? So I'm going to start off. This one's pretty tame. Um, And if you want me to, maybe I can give a really brief explanation for why I think what I think. So my first bold prediction for 2021 is that DJ Chark will have a career year across the board. I think he's going to have a career year in targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns. He's going to score more fantasy points than he's ever scored in any single season of his of his career. And I think that the reasoning for that is pretty clear. It should be. Trevor Lawrence obviously plays a huge role in that. It really comes down to how you feel about DJ Chark. Surprisingly, a lot of people are not sold on the fact that he's the best receiving option in Jacksonville. Some people are really big on LaVisca Chenault. Some people are really big on Marvin Jones. Hey, that's fine. You know what? Everybody has an opinion. Give me DJ Chark, career year. That That is pretty mild. Um, and based on, I, I guess, the – like I, I didn't rank them or anything, but just looking at my bold predictions right now, based on what I have on my list right now, yours are going to be a lot more tame than mine are. So, Hey, look, I'm starting off mild. Maybe you, you know what? Maybe this will be one of those years where you think all of my stuff is tame. That'd be interesting. But I've got, mm-hmm. I've got DJ Chart career years as my first bold prediction. What's what do you have for your first one? Are we going? Okay. Are we just gonna up the ante? Do I need to turn the AC on? <laughs> do I need to get some protein ice cream? I, oh, that, of course that's a thing. Um, I don't know how bold this is. Like, that's the problem too. It's like, you know, it's like, Hey, this is bold. Right. And people are like, no. So I don't know. I, I think I have some real spicy ones here. I, I think my top two are really spicy and maybe my next three are just kind of like the type of spice that I can actually handle uh, when, you know, cause I hate spicy foods. Huh. Uh, but I'll just start here with what I think is my most tame one. Okay. I think, but I guess, I guess you'll let me know at the end. Um, Odell Beckham jr. Naturally. Top 12 wide receiver. Listen, Odell's getting drafted as like what? what? Wide receiver 30? Something like that. That's definitely a bold prediction. How can anybody say it's not? 
Because here's the deal. If you say that it's not, then why are you letting him fall to 30? Yeah. Right? He yeah. Out, he out, I mean, he has the pedigree to do it. If, if Cleveland wants to throw the ball a little bit more, add a little bit of volume to that passing game, you know, maybe Ode- Odell is going to have a career renaissance season. I hope he does. I love I love Odell. I love the Browns. So that nobody could say that's not a bold prediction, because because fantasy owners across the country and around the globe, for that matter, they're letting him fall into the middle of the draft, the early middle stages of the draft. So true. I, I like that. I like that Odell prediction. I hope that it, I hope that it's accurate. It's one of those things where, you know, you know they're going to run the ball, but you know, we also you got to wonder like, is Baker going to force the ball to Odell? Is Odell going to be able to stay healthy? There's a lot of th- there's a lot of factors that come into it. I don't know. I like that. That's a that's an interesting prediction. Um, it could happen. It could absolutely happen. But the bottom line is, is that fantasy owners are letting him fall. So the one thing I guess I would ask you though, that I'm kind of curious about is that if you believe that, then why didn't you pick him? Yeah. You know, that was, that was difficult, uh, to, to let that go. Um, you know, unfortunately he went in the seventh, uh, which is an odd numbered round. So I had the last pick in that round. And mm-hmm. when I look back at who I did end up taking in the sixth, I took Deontay Johnson. Uh, I, I just, I like Johnson more. I, I think he's safer, but he mm-hmm. carries a very similar upside. So, um, if he had gotten to me at the, at the seven, you know, at the turn mm-hmm. the seven, eight, uh, then he, I definitely would have taken him, but, uh, unfortunately he didn't, but, uh, I, I'm still pretty good about that. Like Beckham, even if I, even if I didn't take Johnson at six, I wasn't going to take Beckham over Adam Thielen, who was next up on my list. So, um, the only way I was going to get him is if I, if I, if he happened to slide to me in the seventh and he just didn't. So sure. Okay. That's fair. All right. My next one, this one is also tame. I would say maybe you'll just, okay. dis- maybe you'll dispute that claim. Keep in mind, we're in a 14 team league. So when you say somebody is a one, unless you're saying they're, they're the overall one. When you say somebody is a one, they have to be top 14. Correct. So I have Jameis Winston as a QB one. Is that bold? Okay. Is that bold? I don't know. I think it's kind of tame, actually. To be honest with you, here's the thing. I, I think so, but but Taysom Hill is, is the the reason why that's bold. At all, I'm not right? worried about Taysom Hill. I know you're not, but yeah. most people, Taysom is. You know, I mean, I I think he sucks. All right. I think any rational person knows he's not a good quarterback or a quarterback at all, but mm-hmm. Sean Payton loves him. And I mean, if, if he decides to give him snaps and takes Jameis off the field, could be a headache. So I, I, I don't think it's super bold, but I, it's, it's, you know, like on a, a, like on a one to 10 spiciness meter, it's like a four, I would say. That's fine. I'll take that. There are, I'm just saying there are people out there that would fight me on that. And I think, well, actually, you know what would be interesting? I wonder in our draft, how many quarterbacks went off the board before Jameis? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. He was the twenty-first quarterback off the board in our draft. Mid-tier number two. So 
Jameis Winston uh, as a QB1. That is my second bold prediction for 2021. Nice. All right, I, I have one here that I think you're probably going to like. Uh, Jacoby, Jacoby Myers is a top 24 wide receiver. I love it. And I actually don't think it's bold. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm convinced it's going to happen. Oh, nice. Well, I hope it does after I inevitably trade for him. <laughs> but, but by definition, it has to be a bold prediction because, again, he's sliding into the end of drafts. But people are just mm-hmm. overlooking him, you know? And that's what happens. There's two things that you're always going to see in fantasy. Number one is recency bias. And number two is if a player didn't give you, like, a full season of productivity, they're automatically going to get overlooked. Yep. So, um, and then what you do is, is you just cash in. Um, all right. My third bold prediction, keep in mind the rest of these players are on my team. So if you have no interest in hearing me talk about how great my team is, you could skip forward. But don't do that to Colby because that's not fair. <laughs> Number three. Uh, I'll say this. None of the guys. Well, okay, that's not true. One of the guys I mentioned is on my team. The other three that I mentioned are not. You're better man than me. <laughs> Number three, Chase Edmonds. I also believe that Chase Edmonds will finish the season as an RB1. Wow. Okay. That's pretty bold. Yeah, that's like a six. I like Chase Edmonds as an RB1 because mm-hmm. because Kenyon Drake is out of the picture, I, and I don't have any faith whatsoever in James Conner. I think at some point James Conner's out of the picture, and Chase Edmonds becomes essentially a bell cow. He could contribute in all phases in one of the most prolific offenses in the game. And if that is, in fact, the case, uh, then Chase Edmonds finishes top 14 at the position. I like it. All right. Um, So number three for me, uh, Miles Gaskin finishes outside the top 28 at running back. Man, we just roasted the shit out of (laughs) <laughs> out of that out of that board bet I have with Cam, I just said that Chase Edmonds is going to finish top 14, and you said that the bottom is going to fall out on, on Miles Gaskin. <laughs> Let's hear it. I, will, I love this. I just, look, I mean, I, I don't think Gaskin is particularly, he's a quality football player, but he doesn't stand out at the NFL level. There's nothing he does better than anybody else. His okay vision, okay lateral quickness, but it's not plus or anything like that. He doesn't run with tremendous power. He's a smaller guy. I mean, it sounds like Malcolm Brown is probably going to be a touchdown vulture, which, I mean, that's tough to predict, but also, yeah, it's still out there. And honestly, I, I don't know that he's better than Savan Ahmed. So uh, I feel like that's a three-headed monster. Brian Flores is a Bill Belichick disciple. We all we know we know all about Bellatrix. We sure right? do. So, so I just feel like Miles Gaskin is probably going to finish somewhere closer to thirty than where he's being drafted, which I think is around running back 18, 19, somewhere around there. So like I said, I don't think Gaskin is going to be, you know, useless. I just don't think he's going to be a top two, uh, you know, a number two running back this year. So, so what I'm hearing you say is that Cameron fell for the recency bias seat trap. Yes. Yep. I, well, I believe so. There you go. Be better, Cam. Be better. And I say this as a guy who really wants Miles Gaskin to succeed, to, uh, succeed, 
because I hey, loved Alex. watching him at UW. He was my favorite player when yeah. he was at UW. So mm-hmm. I hope I'm wrong, but I, you know, can only go with what I see. Fair enough. I've got two predictions left, and I feel like it's tough for me to choose which one I think is spicier. Okay, I've got one. You, you, you might. I don't know. Actually, I don't think. I think this is one of those where you hear it initially. It sounds like it sounds kind of hot, and then you give it a second, and you're like, "That's not that hot, actually." All right. Zeke finishes as the RB one overall. I mean, it's definitely within the range of outcome. So I, I don't know how hot that is, but based on what we saw last year, I mean, I, I yeah, like I get it. Yeah. Like if somebody wanted to like freak out about that, I, I understand why, but I also, it's like, no, he could totally do that. He wasn't healthy last year. Right. I mean, right. Is, that, is that your rationale? The, the offensive line wasn't healthy last year. Dak Prescott wasn't healthy for the majority of the season. I mean, and it, look, you have to look at his career. Has has Ezekiel Elliott ever finished as the RB1? No. But if you look at his finishes over the course of his career, it depends if you're talking standard or PPR. But let's just, for the sake of the conversation, you know, let's talk PPR, Okay. 2020, he was nine, but his finishes in every other season, three, five, 13, two. And in the, and in the year that it was 13, he only played 10 games. So what you're telling me is, is outside of last year, he's basically a locked and loaded top five. So what's saying in a, in a Dallas offense that, you know, you have a, last I checked, you've got a healthy Dak, healthy offensive line. Zeke supposedly healthy. Why can he not be the RB one overall? He absolutely can. Yeah, no, I, I think that's definitely possible. Um, and I think there are enough people out there who, you know, they they would look at the workload and they would say, oh well, this is clearly the beginning of the decline uh, of you know of Zeke instead of looking at, well, why was he not as good last year? And that's the thing is that you see that with the reaction that I got when I took him at 102. Everyone's like, "That's the wrong pick." But why do you? But why? But why do you say that? That the only reason that you can say that, as far as I'm concerned, is recency bias. I mean, maybe, but then again, I, I, you know, I think Christian McCaffrey is should go first or second, and he wasn't good last year either because he got hurt. So. I mean, I, I, I so maybe he, he, people people aren't being people aren't being fair to Zeke. Maybe it's possible. I just I wouldn't have taken him at two, but like I, I think you know there there were some people who were legitimately shocked by that, and I was just like, I mean, yeah, I probably would have taken Cook, but okay, <laughs> you know, like fine. I, I I don't think it was a preposterous pick, and and uh, I don't I don't consider that all that bold to be quite honest. So. Well, like I said, if you actually look at the numbers, it's not. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, then I guess I have to crank up the heat a little bit here. Um, and this is the one that does impact me, but it also does impact another another person in the league. Let's hear it. So, Gardner Minshew scores more fantasy points this year than Jalen Hurts. Ooh. Bold prediction. I love that. Two. That's so good. I love that bold prediction. We need to just like write that shit in 24 karat gold. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's a good one, man. I like that. When you took Gardner Minshew, I told you this. I was He was a guy I was looking at late because I feel like actions speak louder than words. I don't. It doesn't matter what what you tell me. What do you show me? That's how NFL. That's how NFL teams speak. And when the when the Eagles went out there and made that trade and acquired a Gardner Minshew, it was pretty apparent to me that they have very little conviction in the longevity of Jalen Hurts at the NFL level. And how and how could they? I mean, right. truthfully, let's look. Let's just be fair. What do we have to look at? We have we have the body of work that he put on the field for us last year. And what and what was that? What was that, Matt? Well, let me tell you what it was. Uh, it was it was six touchdowns and four picks. That's what he gave you last year. Six touchdowns, four picks. That was his TD to interception ratio. Okay, he killed it with his legs. He had 357 rush yards. That's fine. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, this is a guy who played four games for the Eagles last year. Weeks 14 through 17, he started and played through those four games. And what and what is what did he what did he have to show for it when it was all said and done? A 6 to 4 TD uh interception ratio. So what? So you're averaging one and a half touchdowns and one pick per start. That is an embarrassment. That is not getting it done at the NFL level, period. So, truthfully, from a fantasy perspective in our league, Stephen Woods better pray to the fantasy gods that Jalen Hurts is the 2021 iteration of Josh Allen. Because... Because that's actually a, a fair comparison from the perspective of when you look at Josh Allen in 2019, he was he was a prolific fantasy quarterback because he was killing it with his legs. But what did he give you with his arm? 20 touchdowns and nine picks. That is a very Jalen Hurts TD to interception ratio, if I've ever heard of it. The first two seasons of Josh Allen's career. He threw, between the two seasons combined, 30 touchdowns and 21 picks. That ain't it. I'm sorry, that ain't it. But what did he give you last year? 37 touchdowns and 10 picks. Nobody could have seen that coming. You know, Jalen Hurts is going to have to do a little bit more than what he showed us in 2020 if he wants to be the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles for the duration of an 18-week season. But you want to know something? I don't know whether or not Jalen Hurts can play, but I, but I do know that, that Gardner Minshew can. And this is, coming from a, this is coming from a Husky. I know Gardner Minshew can play because he started 23 games in the NFL, and he's given you 37 touchdowns and 11 picks. And so what am I saying? That was a hell of a deal for the Eagles. And what in the hell is Urban Meyer doing? What <laughs> in the, the hell is he doing? You just traded a guy. <laughs> this is a – I hate listening to people say, oh, he's not a starting quarterback in this league. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Gardner Minshew can play. 
That's all he's ever I mean, done. The Broncos are starting Teddy Bridgewater, and Gardner Minshew's not a starting caliber quarterback in this league. By the way, uh, Jalen Hurts completed 52% of his passes last year. So I think that if you guys <laughs> what play, are we talking about? Yeah, if you guys play in any other super flex leagues, or maybe you have drafts on the horizon or whatever, take like a last round stab on Gardner Minshew. Just do it. I would if I, I don't play in any other fantasy football leagues. I wanted to take him in this league, but Colby beat me to it. Gardner Minshew, I would not be shocked if he was starting for the Philadelphia Eagles by the end of the season. I would not be shocked at all. That's all I have to say about that. I love that prediction. That's a great one. If I was, if I, I mean, I know I did do one bold prediction on a player that's not on my team, but it was a player that I wanted to be on my team because I did my bold predictions on players that I felt conviction, convicted about. But um, Gardner Minshew would have been a would have been like a late development for a conviction for me because he didn't get traded until you know the week of our draft. Um, I love that prediction. I would have come up with something very similar to that. So I like that a lot. That's a great one. Um, moving on to my last bold prediction. I hope you're ready for it. You got to know this is coming. You got to know this is coming. What, what is it? What do you think it is? Uh, no, I'm not going to guess because that only ends in disaster for me. So just tell me what it is. Justin Fields finishes as a Damn, top, as a top five quarterback. Oh, I would have been right. Damn. There I was go. sitting there like, is he going to say Fields is a QB one? Because yeah, he took him that high. Top so five, like, top five, has quarterback to be top five, right? That has to be where he's going with that. That's right. I like it. I there like you it. go. It's bold, but I, I think it has an outside shot of happening. Um, I, again, I, I don't know how you predict, you know, how you go with bold predictions or anything like that. Like to me, the higher up you go on the spiciness meter, the less you believe that that's like going to happen. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So like for me, like to have a number one where it's like, look, this might be the most ridiculous. That's what makes it the spiciest. And that's what makes it the most fun. Right. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's a really, really good, you know, bold prediction because there's an outside chance that it happens mm-hmm. and it's so spicy that it is going to get conversation flowing. Um, and you know what? I'm, I'm on the bet. It might, there might be a board bet coming, uh, not with me, but someone on fields is going to give you like top 12. I can see cam being like, you think he's top five. I'll give you top 12 and you still won't take my board bet. I would take I that totally, in a heartbeat. I could totally see him doing that. And that would be a really good one. So I like that one. That that's a very good, you saved the best for last. Nicely done. And Thank I should have you. trusted myself and thrown that out there as a guess. But what are you going to do? <laughs> Opportunity missed. So what is your what is your hottest prediction for the 2021 I mean, season? Well, now mine just sounds silly. What I should have gone with the I should have gone with the Jalen Jalen Hurts is the one, I guess. You should have saved that because when as soon as you said that, I was like, don't even get me started because you're 100 yeah. percent right. That's a hell of a prediction. I love it. And you know what? I have not heard a single analyst say what you said. But you got to think 
that there's going to be somebody out there, if they haven't already, who starts talking like that. In Superflex, if I had a platform, if I had a platform for for fantasy and I was sharing my opinion, I was sharing my my takes, I would go out there, YouTube, podcast, whatever. I would tell the people, you know, the best advice that I can give you in Superflex, you got to take Minshew late. Say if you have, especially if you have a deep bench, seven man bench, things are getting drier than the Sahara Desert by the time you get into the late rounds. Uh, you know what? Minshew represents value, and if he if he becomes a starting quarterback on an Eagles team that does have some weapons and plays in a really soft NFC East, uh, you could turn that 16 round pick into something substantially better than that if you want to trade him. Or if you need a quarterback, then there you go. Didn't cost you jack shit. So I've been trying to tell people all summer long that somebody's got to trade for Gardner Minshew. Man, man, it just hurts me, Colby. That (laughs) it hurts me that that a team that did that that didn't. I mean, a team. It hurts me for multiple reasons. I feel like I can't say that a team that needed a quarterback didn't take him because because clearly clearly the eagles don't believe it hurts that's that's all that that's all that i can see but the other thing is is i want to i want to be excited for jacksonville because they have urban meyer but when you make maybe i guess he's not the gm but when you make a decision like this look he was drafted what three years ago two three years ago in the sixth round He's on he's got like the like the biggest cheat code of a rookie contract in the game. And you di- and as and as the franchise who got to reap the rewards of that pick, you would think that you would want to turn that 6th round draft choice into something much greater than that. You're telling me nobody would give you a 4th round pick for Gardner Minshew? Fifth round pick, you couldn't get anything better than a sixth. I just don't believe that. <laughs> I mean, I, I like if I if I if I was Jake, right? If I was old Jake Smith. Um, I'd be pretty mad that the Broncos didn't fork over a sixth round pick for for Minshew, um, or a fifth round pick in this case, because he's he's better than what I have, and and I mean, that's just one team off the top of my head. So, dude, he'd be uh, like, he's like the new school Jake Plummer. <laughs> Oh yeah. By the way, that's a good comp. Uh, Minshew. A lot of people don't know this. He ran for almost 400 yards as a rookie. So in 14 games. So he's mobile. I'm, that's what I'm saying. He takes care of the football. He's mm-hmm. efficient. He can he can just flat play. And so for the Jacksonville Jaguars to to trade him for a sixth round draft choice. I'm sorry. You tell me. What's more embarrassing? What's the most? What is the more em- embarrassing football decision in the year 2021? The Jacksonville Jaguars trading Gardner Minshew to the Eagles for a six-round draft pick, or the Denver Broncos passing on Justin Fields in the NFL draft? <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. I think it's Fields, honestly, but this is—it's—I don't—I don't get it. And, They're I both mean, terrible. They're both yeah. objectively terrible decisions. I think it's Fields because I like I like Teddy. 
I, I think he's, you know, a great back. If, like if Teddy's on your roster and he's your backup, you're in great shape. The fact that he couldn't even, you know, guarantee himself a starting job over Drew Locke, you know, until a week ago. So I, I don't know. So obviously that should have been my number one because I feel like my number one now is just a huge disappointment, but whatever. Live and so, learn, I guess. I guess, I guess the, uh, just for, just for the record, the general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars, his name is Trent Balky. Oh, yes. Trent Balky. So, hashtag fire Trent Balky and hashtag fire John Elway. Now, continue. You know that, uh, Balky is the former GM of the, uh, of the 49ers, right? I didn't know that, but... I'm pretty sure he is the guy who uh, was the GM while uh, Harbaugh was there. Huh. Well, you'd think he'd be a little bit smarter than he has proven to be in the last 48 hours. But Yep. Uh, Bulky, by the way, yes, he was the uh, the general manager of the 49ers from 2011 to 2016. Wow. So, yep. Hmm. Cool. Well, let's hear your oh. final. Sorry, guys. I just had I just had to get that off my chest. You go ahead. What's oh. your your boldest prediction? Well, clearly it's not because based on the reaction, I gave you my boldest one at two, but here it is anyways. Ready? Let's hear it. Kyle Pitts is outscored by Austin Hooper. Wow. So. Well, you know, I'm not a Kyle Pitts guy. Mm-hmm. So, but a lot of people, I mean, it's, you're talking about, a tight end in Austin Hooper, who at least if we're going to talk about last season, does not play in the most prolific passing offense in the league because that's an offense that wants to run the ball. Not because Baker can't play. I don't want to hear that bullshit. But, um, you know, that's it. I'll say this. For sure, Hooper and Pitts will probably be closer than most people anticipate just from the jump here. I could totally see that. Now, to say that Hooper is going to to outproduce Pitts, I mean, you have to say that's bold. Because when you look at that Atlanta offense, you're looking at Ridley, who is potentially going to see more targets than any other single player in the league outside of maybe Devontae Adams, um, in my view. Uh, and so realistically, Kyle Pitts is the, is the second receiving option in that, in that Atlanta offense. So, I mean, he's going to get a lot of volume. And so for Pitt, for, um, excuse me, for Hooper to outscore him, you are either saying that, that the Cleveland offense is going to have substantially more passing volume than people expect. Or, um, I guess the only other option at this point is that Kyle Pitts is going to be historically inefficient with his targets. Um, that is a bold prediction. There's no way around it. But, mm-hmm. but I just the thing is, is that I just loved that second one. That was damn good. Yeah. That was a hell of a. That was a hell of. That was a good one, Colby. I wish more people could say things that were, that were interesting and intelligent, like that. But um, I'll, just, I'll just say this on Hooper. Mm-hmm. The last time he was healthy uh, was 2019, and he actually only 
played in 13 games. He started 10. Uh, 10 games, 75 catches, 787 yards, six touchdowns uh, for Atlanta. Last year, he battled injuries. He missed time twice. Uh, you look at how he was trending before his first injury, seven targets, 10 targets, six targets. You look at how he was trending after his second injury, six targets, 15 targets, five targets, 11 targets, three targets. So, um, again, it's not a high-volume passing game, but when you know when Hooper gets into the offense and when he's healthy and you know he's a big part of that passing game, he's not asked to run block, which is – you know, something Cleveland's going to do with Chubb and Kareem Hunt. He gets funneled, you know, targets pretty regularly. Now it's not a it's not an exact comparison because Cleveland and Atlanta are two completely different offenses. And obviously last year, you know, OBJ wasn't healthy all year. So somebody's going to not get the football. I think it might actually be Jarvis Landry over these two guys, but we'll see. But uh yeah, I, I feel like Cooper basically this is what I'll say. Hooper in like the fourteenth versus Pitts in the fourth, no brainer. Hey, Cooper. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. All right. Well, that wraps up our bold predictions. I will say this. My Super Bowl prediction, I will, I will, I would like to characterize it as a bonus sixth bold prediction. Um, but before I go into that, you can go ahead and you can share your Super Bowl prediction for 2021. Uh, I, I think... I don't want to be like, I, I struggle to like, do I want to be lame and pick Kansas city out of the AFC for the third year in a row? Um, or do I maybe want to go with Buffalo an upset special, like maybe Cleveland. I feel like that would be a, a pretty surprising pick. Um, but I just, ugh, for me, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. So I'm going to go with Kansas city again, even though it's boring as hell, but I still feel like they're the best team. Um, although that gap is closing. I, I do believe that, but I, I think they have at least one more year, uh, you know, before maybe the rest of the AFC catches up. Um, and out of the NFC, you know, this is a popular place in the past for you. I know for you to pick New Orleans, I doubt you feel that way without Breeze. But I mean, Breeze wasn't too good last year, anyways, and you, you still liked him. So, yeah, this is it's a tough. We can roll out the NFC East, obviously, uh, or yeah. I mean, I feel pretty good about that. Uh, to me, it comes down to Green Bay, Seattle. Um, sorry, Green Bay, Seattle, and the Rams uh, out of the NFC. Uh, I I think I'm going to go super boring. I'm going to take Green Bay versus Kansas City, and I think Mahomes denies Rogers number two. Rogers retires, and uh, and he hosts Jeopardy um, as a one-time Super Bowl winning quarterback. Um, that was. That was a really, that was a really beautiful, like, you gave us more. You gave us more than just the game. You were like, you know what? Rodgers gets denied in the Super Bowl. He he retires. He walks off into the sunset with his head down, and he goes to host Jeopardy. <laughs> I love that. Um, well, I wanted to have some fun with my prediction. So I'll just say, hey, like, guess. Can I guess? Sure. Uh, out of the AFC, you have Cleveland. And what do you think I have in the NFC then? <laughs> um, let me think here. 
I want to say Chicago as to kind of like hammer home the point that you love Justin Fields. Um, I'm going to go with San Francisco. I was te- I was tempted with Chicago. I will give you that. That was <laughs> that was a that was bold or that was that was good. You're you're on to me a little bit here. Now I'll just say it like this. You know, it's crazy to think that it was just you know a few years back that Budweiser put on the greatest promotion in NFL history in beers for Cleveland when they opened up the. They opened up the refrigerators all across Cleveland when they finally won a football game. And here we are now in the year 2021. And it's not crazy for me to deliver my 2021 bold prediction. The Cleveland Browns win the Super Bowl over the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, so close. (laughs) So close. Oh, okay. It pains me to pick the Rams. It does pick me to pain there. It does pay me to pick them. That defense, man. It's not because yeah. of Stafford. I don't. That's not why. It, I mean, I, I, I've, I've said I'm on the record. I do think Stafford is better than Goff, but I think, but I think it's not as significant as people like to to let on. But that defense. I, I mean, when I look at the most prolific teams in the in the NFC, that's what sets the Rams apart in my mind, and so I have to pick them to come out of the NFC. Unfortunately, and I and I really hope I'm wrong. But that's I'm gonna go down on the, I'm gonna go down on the books this year, and say Cleveland over LA, LA Rams in the Super Bowl. Um, that does it for me. Do you have anything that you would like to say to the good people before we close this thing out? Not really, although right now we're under two hours, so that's that's good for us. Um, so uh, kudos to us for making it through a two-hour podcast. That's a lot. This wraps up mm, about four and a half hours of podcasting today, and I still have to do the Tower of Power, which hopefully is out by Wednesday, but no promises there. Um but yeah, if you guys are still listening this far in, um, A, I'm sorry. And B, let us know, and Matt will happily give you Derek Carr for free. Oh, God, that's not happening. Uh, Too late. I said be- it. It's out there. That being said, I'll throw this out. I'm going to say this on the leak chat, so if people don't actually hear me say it on the pod, then they'll hear me say it on the chat. This <laughs> weekend, I'm going to get on the leak chat. I'm going to be asking for your guys's bold predictions i want to hear your bold predictions i want to hear your super bowl predictions just like last year i want to hear if you have anything to say about our thoughts on your best picks and your worst picks or maybe you want to talk about what you thought were the best value picks and the worst value picks in the draft i want to hear all of it so but but matt if they do that then they could be held accountable for what they thought of in the moment instead of eight months later with hindsight on their side well, look, I mean, I, that that just seems foolish to me. I, I think we will do that. I think we've gotten to the point now here in this league where we could be brutally honest with one another about anything and everything. At least at least that's how I like to believe. So, look, if nothing else, I want to hear what you guys have to say. Ser- I would, too. Just I don't think anybody has the balls to do it. Hey, they did. Some people some people spoke up last year. Some Super Bowl people- picks are one thing, man. I want to hear like. You know what? I want to hear Odell Beckham is is wide receiver twelve. I want to hear Minshew is is better than Jalen. I want to hear that stuff. 
I How want Justin Fields is the top five. I want to put Stephen Woods on the stand in defense, <laughs> in defense of Jalen Hurts, and that's the pod. I can I guess what his defense is going to be? What's that? I drafted Josh Allen last year. That's his defense. <laughs> Guarantee. Tell me I'm wrong. He better hope that he better hope that he's Josh Allen. That's what I'm saying. Tell me I'm wrong. I can't. I can't. Maybe hopefully, so hopefully Stephen can. Yeah. By the um, way, Stephen, appreciate the ride, big guy. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry your cell phone cell phone shattered too. <laughs> Don't worry, FedEx will take care of that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, all right. Well, that does it for us. Thank you guys so much for uh, a very successful draft. Thank you for giving us material to make this content, and uh, more so than maybe any of that, or at least just as much. Thank you for listening. So this is the, well, how did I phrase that? The cruel and oppressive supreme dictator and evil overlord of the Hawks Nest Fantasy Football League, your boy, Matty G, signing off. And this is your former co-league manager, now just helpless <laughs> puck, as, as Cam has taken over with, you know, force. Uh, this, this is Colby, and I, I guess I'll see you guys on the league chat. Peace out. <laughs>